G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's a Tuesday and our opportunity to check on that breaking news out of Israel and the Middle East as we track headlines at this time each week. Ron Ross has been looking at headlines overnight, bringing us the latest today. Ron Ross, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Ron, let's start with one, a pretty important one. The International Criminal Court is to open a war crimes probe against Israel. What's the story? Yeah, the International Criminal Court's top appeals chamber yesterday reopened the case of war crimes allegations relating to the 2010 Mabi Mamara flotilla. After years of attempting to go after top Israel political and military officials in courts in Turkey and Europe and before the ICC for the deaths of 10 mostly humanitarian relief foundation activists killed by Israeli Navy commandos, the split ICC appeals chamber decision keeps the case alive, though it does not mean Israel will lose for sure. The ICC prosecutor can go further with criminally probing Israel, or she can decide a third time to try to close the case, though her basis for doing that has narrowed. In November 2014, ICC prosecutor Ben Soda tried closing the file a first time, saying that while the IDF's conduct in the incident seemed to her to display elements of war crimes, the 10 activists killed simply did not constitute a high enough body count to warrant her involvement, because she focuses on mass killings. Uh, But the stirring continues. Ron, another headline which has been widely reported, there's been some fierce exchanges between Israel and Hezbollah in Lebanon over the weekend. Yeah, Hezbollah struck an Israeli military base near Israel's northern border with anti-tank projectiles. Hezbollah also destroyed an IDF vehicle in the attack, but mercifully the soldiers were not inside, so there were no casualties. IDF spokesman Roman Manelis said Hezbollah carried out its plan, but with no success. There was a massive preparation by the army. We are prepared at sensitive locations. Following this attack by the Lebanese-based terror organization, the IDF responded with helicopter fire, sending over 100 shells into Hezbollah positions in Lebanon. The IDF also struck back at the cell from which the projectiles were fired. There have been more threats this morning from Hezbollah, and this could develop. And, of course, we know that the Iranians are often supporters of the Hezbollah organisation. Let's turn some attention to Iran for a few moments because there's been persistent interference by Iran in the Gulf, and that has the Royal Navy on constant alert. What's the story there? 
Well, the Royal Navy warship HMS Montrose has faced 115 confrontations with Iranian forces in the Gulf since the start of July, and this was just reported last night. Hostile watercraft have tried to intimidate the Type 23 frigate and sent aggressive radio messages and had sought to discharge its duties escorting maritime trade through the disputed waters of the Strait of Hormuz. The ship's commander said Iranian personnel mocked the ship after she failed to prevent the seizing of the UK flag stemmer Impero tanker six weeks ago. Commander Will King told the Times newspaper the Iranian military had heavily tested the Montrose almost daily with fast attack craft and drones deployed as close as 200 metres to intimidate his ship. Tehran harboured a continuous intent to disrupt or interfere with interests in the area, he said. Now, let's keep the focus on Iran for a few moments here, Ron, because we'll often hear reports of the growth of Christianity in Iran, and clearly a lot of that has to be underground, but now it seems to be quite out in the open because an Iranian official admits mass conversions from Islam to Christianity are, as he says, happening right before our eyes. How does that one look? Yeah, this was no less than Iran's Minister of Intelligence. He warned a gathering of Shia Muslim leaders that mass conversions to Christianity are taking place right across the country. According to Article 18, a non-profit organization that advocates religious freedom in Iran, Mahmoud Ulabi told the Shia clerics who had gathered in Qum that mass conversions are cause for concern. Alavi went on to admit that he had summoned converts to Christianity for questioning in violation of Article 23 of Iran's constitution, which states that no one may be molested or taken to task simply for holding a certain belief. Some of the converts said they were looking for a religion that gives them peace, Alavi said. These converts are ordinary people whose jobs are selling sandwiches or similar things. Now, this is a great turnaround from the previous excuse that these people were being manipulated by strong American forces. But these are just the men in the street. And I do have it on fairly good authority that there are eight Christians in confinement right now in serious danger of being hanged. Yes, uh, there's always that threat uh, in Iran. Let's turn some attention to American attitudes to Israel-Palestinian conflicts and where there's a prominent American evangelical leader who's declared we won't let congresswomen whitewash the Palestinian persecution of Christians in Bethlehem. How does this one look? Yeah, this made headlines all around the world, uh, but not from the Christian point of view. The evangelical UN special envoy to the World Council of Independent Christian Churches, representing 44 million congregants and award-winning Christian TV show host Laurie Cardoza-Moore, has called upon Christians to protest U.S. Congresswomen Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib's attempts to deny Jesus' identity and ignore the persecution of Christians in Bethlehem. A recent tweet from Omar revealed that the Wookiee politician had planned to visit Bethlehem with the notorious Christ at the Checkpoint 
organization, an anti-Semitic Palestinian group that says Jesus was a Palestinian and has covered up the mass exodus of the city's legitimate Christian population since it came under Palestinian authority control. Laurie Cardoza Moore commented, the majority of Christians left Bethlehem since the Israeli government agreed under the Oslo Accords in 1993 to allow the Palestinian Authority to govern affairs of the city. Omar and Talib were planning to visit the birthplace of Jesus with a subversive anti-Semitic organization that seeks to cover up the daily persecution of the true followers of Christ at the hands of the Palestinian Authority. And Ron, we always like a good archaeology story because while these archaeological discoveries are being uncovered every week in the Holy Land and in the nations surrounding, uh, it's always good to be able to draw attention to the affirmation of the truth of Scripture. There's another archaeology story in the news this week. A recently discovered Moabite altar supports details described in the biblical book of Second Kings. How does this one look? The word Hebrews was recently discovered on an ancient Moabite altar unearthed by archaeologists in Jordan. The altar was located at the biblical site of Atarot. Researcher Adam Bean explained regarding the biblical story, it's a new and important piece to the puzzle. The discovery found 9th century BCE Moabite writings engraved into the cylindrical stone altar provide historical indications of a battle he called of epic proportions. The inscriptions on this pedestal comes from the site mentioned by King Mesha in his Mesha steel as a site that he himself took from the Omrides and then rebuilt, noted leading epigrapher Professor Christa uh, Rolston. Fascinatingly also, the inscriptions are not only written in the Moabite language, they're also written in the early Moabite script. The Old Testament book of Kings, in 2 Kings 3 verses 4 and 5, mentions after the death of King Ahab of Israel, Mesha, king of Moab, rebelled against Israel hegemony. The Bible states the Israelites withdrew after Mesha sacrificed either his own eldest son or that of the Edomite king to his god Shemosh. This is all in 2 Kings 3, 4. But the Bible does say that in the last days the stones will cry out the truth of the gospel. Ron, you are a treasure trove. Uh, Not only do we talk so often about uh, prophetic uh, issues, uh, historic and archaeological discoveries, but also we're connecting a whole lot of great insights around the news headlines as they're breaking out of Israel and the Middle East. Always appreciate our updates, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. Thanks for being with us again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.